You're listening to The Air Attack with BC the Man on HasBeenSports.com. I know What's up, guys? The Air Attack is brought to you by Fable Label, combining the timeless popularity of a t-shirt with modern, innovative designs, allowing you to stand out from the crowd today. If you're not a fan of Fable Label, trust me, it soon will be. In fact, I'm wearing Fable Label right now. And so can you. Check them out at fablelabel.com. With a shout-out to everybody at Has Been Sports down in Nashville, Tennessee. You can like the show at facebook.com slash Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man, and make sure you catch the show each and every week, if you like, on SoundCloud and now blogtalkradio.com. SoundCloud, blogtalkradio, as the show gets out there to a little bit of a wider audience. A lot going on. Um, most recently, um, where was he most recently? Was he in Philadelphia? I don't know. He covered a lot of ground. But is the Pope finally gone? That's my question. Is he is he now left the country? My God. What a wake of destruction this guy left. Cops on every train in the New York City area, not just New York, but in New Jersey also, as far away as Newark, with heavy artillery, street closings, people basically rioting just to get a glimpse of the guy, people fainting, crying, Getting to Madison Square Garden three hours early for church, basically. I mean, I don't get to Madison Square Garden three hours early for a Rangers game, and I actually want to go to that. My goodness. I don't know if they served alcohol at, at the Garden the day that the Pope was actually, I must say, I must say performing. Let's say speaking. But if that was, the, if it was a, you know, if it was a dry building that day, how do you deal with that? My God. Let me guess. He preached about hope and love and peace and compassion and understanding. Let me guess. Ugh. I haven't seen people act like this. There's only one person I've seen get this kind of reaction out of people, and this was Michael Jackson, like circa 1986, 87. And bear in mind, these are like Japanese schoolgirls who are acting like this, not grown-ass men and women. My goodness. And I'll tell you what else I can do without. Hey, Pope, you want to come visit? That's fine. Go see the Grand Canyon. Go check out the Alamo, the Sears Tower. Go to Vegas, see a show. I don't care. Check out Les Mis while you're in New York. That's great. Okay? I don't need you telling Congress what to do. Okay? Immigration? You want to tell us that we should be compassionate towards every immigrant? That's great. Okay, how many are allowed to come to the Vatican and live with you? In your palace, by the way. I'm just curious. You giving us any money to help with immigration? Because we have a little bit of a problem here with finances right now. Not that we don't like helping people. Not that I don't like helping people. And you don't want us to legalize marijuana either. Yeah, God forbid someone lights a plant on fire and feels good for a few minutes. Yeah, of course you'd be against that. My goodness. You know what? Go home. Go home. You can, you can make as many rules as you like at your house. Okay, leave us alone. Please. Thank you. I respect the guy. I do respect the guy. He does a lot of good work. Homeless people... Does a lot of good work with children. There's no joke there. He really does good, do good work with children. There are Catholic, Catholic preachers that can do good work with children. All right. He also had a meeting with Kim Davis that, at first, a lot of people thought was a hoax because she posted a picture about a prayer meeting that took place in South America that she said was for her, and it turns out it was from a couple years ago. It was something completely different. It was a prayer meeting in Peru. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it's a legitimate picture of a prayer meeting, but it had nothing to do with her. And apparently the Pope did meet with her. The Vatican confirmed that they actually met together. So it went from everyone accusing her of being a lunatic, which the jury's still out on that one, to, well, now it's something wrong with the Pope. People are, people, are, people are absolutely at least pretending to be obsessed with Kim Davis. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's amazing. And yeah, I don't, guys, if you think you're hurting her by talking about her, I promise you you're not. 
You saw this out in Indiana. Remember that? Memories Pizza? Remember that place? Oh, we're going to show these people. We're going to put them out of business and <laughs> made them rich. Made them rich. With GoFundMe and Kickstarter and these things now, I tell you what, the right cause can make a lot of money in a very short amount of time. So keep shitting all over Kim Davis. I already had my say with Kim Davis. You know, there's, there's something, you know, something tells me that she likes this whole thing, that she knew what she was getting herself into, and she, you know, she played this perfectly. I mean, that, that, that's how it appears to me. But if you think you're hurting her by saying bad things about her, no. No. No, when you say something bad about an activist, you're actually helping their celebrity. So I, I'm not, I don't have time to explain that to you right now, but, you know, that's it. Now, a story we talked about last week, and I told you people, preserve your judgment on Patrick Kane. Okay, hold off on what you're going to say about him. You're going to call a guy a rapist. Listen, he either is or he isn't. Okay, and evidence is going to come out. And if it turns out the guy's guilty, you have forever to rip the guy. You have forever to bury him. Just because it's a topical thing doesn't mean that you have to make a comment on it every single time. So all you people that called Patrick Kane a rapist, okay, if it turns out that this whole thing was a joke, I want you to be just as vocal in your apology. That's all. Okay, I've said this to people myself. People want to apologize to me, but they wouldn't badmouth me to somebody else before they did. No, no, no. If you're going to badmouth me publicly, okay, the people we both know or your friends and family, go right back and say the opposite to them before you apologize to me. Otherwise, I don't want to hear from you. Don't just go call Patrick, rapi- Patrick Kane a rapist and then refuse to acknowledge the fact that he maybe didn't do this now. Because if, I would have to think this prosecutor would have put this in front of a grand jury by now and wouldn't still be going over the case. And for the fact, the fact that this mother, okay, of this accuser played a hoax. We talked about it last week. The evidence bag left on her doorstep. It was the mom all along. Now, who does something like that? Are you going to tell me a normal person does something like that? Are you going to tell me this, this does not affect the credibility of the accuser? Yeah, it's possible that the mom is just a lunatic and is just out of control and you can't, you can't, you know, basically bring down the accuser just because the mom's a loon. I, I'll give you that. But now I kind of want to know who the girl is. Who is she? Who's his family? I, I, wanna, I don't want to necessarily know about her personal history or anything like that. But, I mean, why is she being taken as seriously as she is? Because now it almost seems like this has turned into an absolute circus. I mean, what the mother think? I'm going to say the bag got tampered with, the whole evidence kit got tampered with. First of all, a rape kit doesn't come in a bag. It comes in a box. There's your first problem. But the cops weren't going to know that. The cops were going to say, wait a second, we already have the other one. You know, we have it in the evidence room. You know, it's secured. It hasn't been out. It's been sealed the whole time. All right? I'm sorry. Anybody who pulls a stunt like that is sick. And let's face it, the apple doesn't always fall far from the tree. All right? I mean, you can't necessarily, you know, lump them together. Okay, but I'll tell you, me, for example, when I date a girl, I always take a look at the mom. When I meet the mom, I always check out how the mom acts, how the mom looks, okay? How does she treat her husband? Is she a drinker? I, I'm all these things, okay? Is she a lunatic? You know, is she respectful to me? Does she keep herself in shape? If I see a girl's mom and she basically treats her husband like shit, has let herself go and she's drunk half the time, you know what? That's going to be cause for concern. Doesn't mean the girl's going to be like that, too. Doesn't mean the girl's necessarily going to absolutely be like that. Okay, no. But it's at least going to make you, you know, turn up the radar a little bit. Let's, let's face it. I'm sorry. And if you think... Okay, this move is anything short of insane, then I got no time for you, because this is just this is just stupid. I mean, this is just beyond dumb. This is beyond crafty. This is this is just certifiable. 
And I'm sorry. It, you know what? It kind of makes Kane look like maybe he's been telling the truth the whole time. Otherwise, why would an accuser's family try to suggest the evidence was tainted? I mean, it's a ludicrous plan to begin with. But why would you insist that the evidence was tainted? If the evidence was going to prove what you wanted and what you've been saying the whole time, why would you claim it was tainted? Okay, so am I saying Patrick Kane is innocent? No, I would never do that. It's too, seri it's too serious of a thing. Way too serious of a thing for me to sit here and tell you he's innocent because I don't know. And you don't know either. My point is... This should at least give you some pause here before you rush to judgment and call the guy a rapist. As in the worst possible thing you can call a guy. Okay? Yeah, do I have an opinion one way or the other? Yeah, I definitely have an opinion now. I can't sit here and tell you for certain he didn't do anything. Because that would be just as irresponsible. But some of you some of you may owe the guy an apology. Whether you give it to him or not, different story, I'm sure. A lot easier to, it's a lot easier to go popping off with accusations than it is to come up with, uh, with an apology. Just saying. You know, the fact that you don't like the Blackhawks, you know what? Uh, that's not an excuse to call the guy a rapist. God almighty. Oh, what a joke. Oh, my goodness. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Nothing about that. Nothing about that. Um, I'll do some baseball stuff real quick right here. Um, especially because one of the biggest things that happened this week... One of the biggest scenes this week in sports, one of the biggest spectacles, is a team that's been in a free fall basically for more than half the season. That's the Nationals. And what happened with Bryce Harper and Jonathan Papelbon, you know, just can't happen. I mean, it really can't. Um, it happened years ago. It's, ha it's happened in baseball. It's not like, you know, it never happens. It happened with Carlos Zambrano a few years ago. Happened before that with Jeff Kent and Barry Bonds. Two bona fide superstars on a very good team that year. You know, Matt Williams has lost control of that team. I don't think there's any question he'll be gone. I know you've had some injuries in Washington. But, listen, if you're a Nationals fan, or if you're, you know, part of the Nationals organization, you're going to sit here and talk about injuries when the Mets went by you like you were standing still, and they lost David Wright for the better part of the year, where they thought his career might be in jeopardy? Come on. Lost a couple pitchers, one to a suspension. Uh, you know, you lost your catcher. Uh, come on. I mean, every team's got injuries to an extent. Every team's losing games. Your stars aren't producing that well. I'm sorry. Pitching and hitting. They're just not. Okay? You've been a disappointing team all year. Culminating in Bryce Harper. Now, listen, should Bryce Harper be running out of ground ball? Yeah, he should be. Especially at his age. I'm sorry. You know, that's why, you know, him just jogging to first base like that, that's what Keith Hernandez used to do with the Mets towards the tail end of his career. Grounded to the second baseman, he just put his head down and trot. He might as well just ran right to the first base dugout, but he would just, you know, put his head down and trot. And the, the throw would beat him by, you know, eight, nine steps, which is what he would do. I was at a game one time where Keith Hernandez hit a ball to the second baseman. The second baseman bobbled it, and they still got him in plenty of time. My father goes, you know what? He should be fined. I said, well, you know, maybe. Maybe. But Bryce Harper's a young guy. He's a star. And there's really no excuse for anyone at any age not to be busting your ass. Maybe you got like A-Rod right now because he's got, he's got bad legs. And he says he takes it easy on ground outs and whatnot because he knows the, the risk of hurting himself is higher. And he turns it on sometimes when he's trying to score, go from first to third, what have you. All right. But Jonathan Pavelbond would put his hands around Bryce Harper's throat in the middle of the dugout. You know, if that happened in the clubhouse... That actually makes it a lot different. That makes it that makes it a completely different thing. But to do it in the dugout is insane. And I don't want to hear frustration, you know, competitiveness. It just can't happen. It just can't happen. You know what? If you want to talk about it, go talk about it in the tunnel. And then there'll be there'll be rumors about it. Word, word will spread. But there's nothing like seeing it on TV. Right? 
NFL, different situation, right? But two guys who did things wrong, Greg Hardy and Ray Rice. What's the difference? Greg Hardy's was actually probably worse because there were loaded guns involved and everything else, okay? Ray Rice, not to say he did something good, not to say he did something nice, no. But you saw it on TV. It makes a difference. And the image of the Nationals and the brand of the Nationals is absolutely in the toilet right now. Completely in the toilet. Ugh. That's a joke. The, the, the stories now, the, the good stories right now that I think about going to the playoffs, obviously the Mets, who you had written off in the middle of the season, who made some who moves right around the trade deadline. Okay, the biggest of which, obviously, is Cespedes. And the Rangers. The Rangers who look like they're going to win the West. Not, not, as, not as comfortably as the Mets. They have some work to do. they gotta play, they got to play the Angels, who have now resurrected. Decided they want to play baseball now, too. Now that it's October. Looks like they're both going to win their divisions. They're two teams that had been written off. I mean, even if the Rangers win the wild card, the Rangers have been written off. And again, they bring back Mike Napoli. They bring back Josh Hamilton, Cole Hamels. Next thing you know, look like a playoff team. I find that to be fascinating. And you know what? If you noticed, I didn't mention one team in the AL West. That's the Astros. If the Astros don't make the playoffs, man, that's going to be disappointing. I, I would I would legitimately feel bad for Houston fans if they didn't at least get a wild card game out of the season they had. Now, as a Yankees fan, I want no part of them in the wild card game because I don't want to face Dallas Keuchel. And I'm going to that game, too. Wild card game is Tuesday night. We're actually going to push the show to Monday next week, but um, I'm going to that game. I don't want to see Dallas Keuchel there. Paying good money for good seats. I don't, I don't want to see. I don't want to see the Yankees. You know, scatter four hits against Dallas Keuchel. Okay, and go down in order. You know, four or five innings. I, I, am, I have no. I have absolutely no interest in seeing that. Please tell me that's not going to happen. All right. So that's not what I want to see. Yeah, the Mets, the Mets, and the Rangers. I think are both are both pretty pretty feel good stories. And again, if the Astros can't make it, tough for them. Yankees fan, Yankees fan of me says, you know what? No problem. The baseball fan of me says, boy, that'd be a shame for Houston. But have to get over it. Uh, football this past week, um, the Colts season was over. The Indianapolis Colts were done. They were on the verge of 0-3 in Tennessee. They were down two scores, and Andrew Luck somehow willed this team, which is not a very good team, if you haven't noticed. You know, T.Y. Hilton's good, and so is Andrew Luck. I know Frank Gore's good. Andre Johnson, seen better days, still pretty good. The rest of the team is not very good. You know, the defense is not good at all. The, the secondaries beat, just got the hell beat out of it before the season even started. The offensive line sucks. And Andrew Luck sometimes <laughs> wills himself to a comeback against a Titans team that just can't beat him. A, t- a Titans just cannot beat Andrew Luck. I think they've beaten him once since he's been a starter. Um, so, I mean, do I think the Colts are really going anywhere this year? You know, the only reason you say the Colts are going somewhere this year is because of the division they play in. But I don't even I don't care if they were to win every single divisional game and have home field throughout the playoffs or whatever. I just don't think they're very good, especially the way the Patriots are playing. And now the Broncos, who, again, the Broncos could have lost their first two games. You know, Detroit had a chance to to beat them late in this game, too. Again, it's the Broncos defense. The Broncos defense won another game for them. The Broncos defense is a championship caliber defense. They have playmakers in that defense. Okay, and that's what big time defenses do. The problem with with, uh, with defenses that create turnovers, okay, is that you can't rely on them all the time. You know, there's, you have to have the opportunity to do so. But that defense has gotten that team at least two wins, if not three. Um, and so they're obviously not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I think Denver and or New England at this point would shellack the Colts. I, I mean, that's if the Colts even, you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Do they even make the playoffs this year? Who knows? But because of the division they play in, everyone thinks it's a foregone conclusion the Colts are going to the playoffs. Let them go to the playoffs. They're not very good. And their season was just about done. At 0-3, they were just about done. I'm sorry. At 0-3, someone else would have beaten them in that division. 
Um, that's all there is to it. The Eagles on the verge of going on three if they lost to the Jets. They didn't even come close to letting that happen. Took a 24-0 lead. And you can make the case that the Eagles are too good to be 0-3. Maybe the Jets are too good to be 3 or too not, not good enough to be 3-0, excuse me. So that's just, just what happens. The Jets were favored in this game. They were a very popular pick with some people. But the Eagles, with their backs against the wall, said, wait a second, you know what? We're, we're, not, we're too good to be 0-2, much less 0-3. And for all you Chip Kelly haters out there, okay, Ryan Matthews with a real big game. DeMarco Murray was inactive for this game. For all you guys who think Chip Kelly's a loon, okay, well, you know what? Very smart to have a two-pronged attack at running back with two big-time names, with Matthews and Murray. If you think you're going to win in the NFL these days by just having one big-time running back, you know what? You're, you're basically just rolling dice because the guys get hurt way too often. And now it's game three and DeMarco Murray's out. Okay? And, and while we're on that subject, if you want to talk about getting hurt way too often, look how many backup quarterbacks saw action this week. Look how many backup quarterbacks have already seen action. Johnny Manziel starts in week two. Okay, Tony Romo's gone, so you got Brandon Whedon there. Now Ben Roethlisberger gets knocked out. On the Thursday night game this week, you're going to have Michael Vick. You think backup quarterback doesn't matter in the NFL? You wonder why they put so much, weight, so much work into it. You wonder why backup quarterback is such a big deal. You wonder why those guys make some good money. Oh, backup quarterback, when does he play? Well, sometimes he plays like three quarters of the season. You don't know how much he's going to play. I mean, the Cowboys went out of their way to get Matt Castle just so they have a backup for their backup because they don't trust their backup now. They don't like Brandon Whedon that much. Just so they have it, just so they ha- just in case. Now, what if this guy gets hurt? Or what if this guy doesn't doesn't work out for us because he never really has worked out as a starter? Brandon Whedon has never really worked out. He's also, by the way, he's also pushing 30. I mean, he's only been in the league a few years. He actually might be over 30. He, when he was a senior at Arizona State, Brandon Whedon was like 27 years old because he had a baseball career. He was a pitcher for a while. So, you know, they went out and got Matt Castle. The, the, the next quarterback in line is crucial to any team because the guy can go down any time. You, you, you know, you need a guy to be able to pick up where they left off. So, that's that. Now, your Monday night game this week, the Chiefs and Packers. I tell you what, remember a little while ago when Alex Smith went number one in the draft? And Aaron Rodgers sat there disgusted for like three hours as team after team after team passed him by. I'll take a look at him now. The Kansas City Chiefs had 11 days. 11 days to prepare for this Monday night game. And that's the performance they gave? That's the performance you got out of the Chiefs with 11 days to prepare. I mean, come on, guys. I know the Packers are good. I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. That was way too easy for the Packers offense against a supposedly big-time Kansas City defense that had a week and a half to prepare. And Alex Smith, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Alex Smith. He threw an interception in this game that was laughable. He threw an interception in this game you would expect to see from the quarterback at, like, Rutgers or Kansas. You know, I mean, just, just inexcusable. It's tough enough to beat the Packers, but if you're going to give him a 25, 30-yard field because Alex Smith wants to basically just hand the ball off to, the, to a defensive back, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what kind of chance you think you have. I mean, if you're a fan of the Chiefs, and while we're at it, the 49ers too with Kaepernick, and you think you're winning with these two quarterbacks, I'll tell you what, good luck. Good luck. To, good luck. To, and Chiefs fans, Niners fans, as long as those two guys are taking snaps, good luck. My God. Oh, my God, was that terrible. I'm not just trying to pick up, you know, I, I know it's not, I know it's just one game. I know it's a Monday night game. So a lot of people saw it. I see most of the games anyway. So I put myself in a situation where I go out and I can watch a lot of games. That's just what I do. The Thursday night game was on national TV too. His last two games were on national TV. Okay. 
You can make a case as much as Andy Reese. Andy Reese was at, at, at fault for the game against Denver that Kansas City lost. How about Alex Smith throwing that interception at the end of the first half? That should that should never happen. Never, ever, ever, ever. Now you can blame the coach for calling the play, but that's quarterback. Come on, yeah, you can. Ball picked off on an out route. Two minutes left in the first half. Are you kidding me? Without that play, Kansas City probably wins pretty easily in that game. You would think. One would think. Although that game, they seemed like they were determined to sabotage. And Colin Kaepernick for the Niners, I mean, having to play the Cardinals secondary twice a year and the Seahawks secondary twice a year really sounds kind of like torture. It really does. If you're a Niners fan. If he, can, if he can beat one of those teams one time this year, I'll be shocked. Gotta he look awful on Sunday. And you know what? After a while, you gotta ask, start asking yourself, when is enough enough of these guys? That's the truth. There's one more thing in the NFL. If you don't know this, this week, the Jets and Dolphins are playing in London, which is nothing new, right? They're adding more and more London games every year. You know the whole deal. They, you know, the NFL is thinking about putting a team there. Is it really going to happen or not? Who knows? Now they're doing something different for the first time. They're playing a game at 9.30 in the morning Eastern time. That'll be 2.30 London time. And for those of you in California who have either a serious obsession with fantasy or who are transplants from New York or Miami or who just have a hardcore gambling problem, they're playing at 6.30 in the morning your time. <laughs> and so why is the NFL doing this? The NFL's doing this basically because they're seeing how much they can get out of you. Just like they want as many fans as humanly possible, they want every ethnic group, you know, so they do the Latin, you know, they do the Latin thing. They played in Mexico City in the past. They want women involved if, if they can. That's why they that's why they wear pink in October. Don't fool yourselves. They don't really care about women. They just want women as fans. That's why they do the pink thing all through the month of October. But some of the players may care. Some of the players, I'm sure, really do care. The owners, yeah, not so much. So now they're trying to see how much of your Sunday they can get out of you. The 9.30 time slot on Sunday, in the morning at least, you know, has proven somewhat successful with another sport, and that's soccer. A lot of English Premier League games get played that, that time slot. You know, they do okay with that. A lot of people like watching soccer, then going out and watching football, or going out for the whole day or whatever. I told my buddy, I said, I, we'll do a day this winter probably, probably in December, where we go out for soccer in the morning and just stay out the whole day. And just give that a try, cause, just only because I haven't done it before. Only because I haven't done it. But they have had some, some success with that. So now they're trying to do this. Here's the problem I have. It's the fourth game for each team. Okay? You know these guys coming to training camp. They don't make them do two days anymore. They don't come in the best shape. These teams are tough enough to figure out in weeks one, two, and three to begin with. Now in week four, we're going to make them fly to London, which is the worst thing in the world for two East Coast teams. But you're making them play at 9.30 in the morning. Does that really seem like it's the healthiest option? Does that really seem like it's fair to the players? I don't. I don't think that at all. I think it's a science project, and it's at the expense of the players. And while I like the novelty of it, and I would like to go out for the game, but I, I don't think I'm going to be able to. This I don't think I'm actually going to be able to. I wouldn't have to go out to watch it. I mean, I live in the, in the area anyway, so it's going to be on. But that's the only CBS NFL game for the day, by the way. There's no 9.30, then 1 o'clock, then 4 o'clock. That's it. There's some infomercial on at 1 o'clock with uh, Tiki and Rondé Barber pushing some bullshit for fantasy football. And then at 4 o'clock, they're showing the rodeo, which is always a big hit in New York. There's one thing that New Yorkers want to watch on a Sunday afternoon in the fall. It's the fucking rodeo. <laughs> Way to go, CBS. I like the novelty of it. I mean, if there was a game at 930 every week, I think that would be a novel idea. But I just don't think it's responsible. I like the Thursday night games early in the year. I don't think it's fair to the players. I don't think it's fair to ask these players in weeks, you know, one, two, three, and four, when they're still getting themselves into shape to come play a game on three days rest, especially if they're the road team. I think it's bullshit. It's fun. I watch it. I went to the Giants game last week on Thursday night. I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I just don't think it's fair to the players. 
I don't. You know, guys aren't ready. You guys aren't even ready, you know, in weeks one, two, and three. We already know this because the new collective bargaining agreement says they don't have to do two-a-days anymore. They're not in shape. You're making them play on three days rest? Like there's not, like there's not enough of a safety concern in the NFL to begin with? Wow. No, I don't like this. 9.30 a.m. is too early for them to be playing football on a Sunday. I'm sorry. Guys are professional athletes. You shouldn't be making them do this. I know they got to perform. I know they got to play on holidays and stuff like that. I have no problem with that. The NBA players want to bitch about playing on Christmas Day. No, 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 no. Play on Christmas Day. You, you make enough money. I'm fine with that. Making them play at 9.30 in the morning, their time, I got an issue with that. I would say that's a legitimate gripe because they'd have to be at the stadium basically. See, on Sunday, when you're basically three or four hours deep into sleep and you're drunk and stupor, those guys are actually going to be getting to the stadium at like 6.30 Eastern time. Which means they have to be up at like 5.30 Eastern time. Why should they have to do that? Come on. Is that really necessary? It's not necessary. Again, it's a science project at the expense of the players, and it's bullshit. A little bit of college stuff now. You know, watching Virginia get smoked last week and then Georgia Tech going into Duke, okay? All of you Notre Dame fans, all you Notre Dame apologists, okay, if you will, you advocates that Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country, and I thought they might be onto something this year. If that didn't give you a little bit of time, for, a little bit of cause for concern, seeing what their own opponents did, Last week, I don't know what's going to. And Notre Dame, not only after Virginia gets smoked and not only had Georgia Tech lost to Duke, Notre Dame then lets UMass hang around for a half and move the football the entire half on them. Yeah, Notre Dame blew them out late. If you looked at the score, you say, okay, Notre Dame won, and they covered a 28-point spread. What's the problem? No, 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 no. They let UMass move that football the entire first half. Now they go at, into Clemson for a primetime game on ABC. Clemson, who's supposed to be loaded offensively, but hasn't quite hasn't quite shown it against a good team yet. I'll still take Clemson. I'll take Clemson on Saturday night. You can go ahead and give me them. I'm sorry. Notre Dame snuck by Virginia. Snuck by them. I'm basically a miracle catch. And Virginia gets destroyed on their home field by Boise State. A Boise State team that's not even that good. And then we thought the Georgia Tech win was impressive. Then Georgia Tech managed just to go right into Duke and lose. Duke's okay. But Duke's not that good. Come on. I'm sorry. Um, in terms of your playoff picture, which, you know, obviously Notre Dame is still right there. They're undefeated, okay? You can, you can go ahead and count Oregon out. Second loss of the year. Their defense sucks. Their defense is really bad. They got a problem with quarterback, too, to, you know, in fairness to them, but their defense is shit. Um, and yet Utah coach Kyle Willingham used a fake punt, a trick punt return, and a halfback pass and blew the doors off of Oregon. Their, first, their worst loss at home since the 70s. You think he'd like doing that? You think he'd like maybe laying them out on their home turf? You think he'd like that? My God. Oregon was a 10-point favorite in that game, and there were a lot of people there that said, you know what, why, you know, why are they only 10-point favorites? You know, something's wrong with that. Well, you know what, if you're paying attention, listen, every time you see a line that looks like maybe it's a little too low, it probably is low for a reason. If it looks like it's a little too low, like a little too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Utah's got a good team. Not as explosive as the Oregon team, but Oregon just couldn't stop them the entire game. They had no answer for them. And Oregon was completely outcoached, completely outplayed, and you know, I can't see any way that they're in the playoff now. I don't think there's any way they come back from that. They'd have to go undefeated the rest of the year anyway. That's not going to happen. They're just not good enough. They're not a very good team this year. It happens. You know, I mean, they're a great program, but, you know, this year they, just don't, they don't have a very good team. That's all there is to it. They gave up 60 to Utah. They gave up 60 to Utah at home. How good can they really be? Okay. Um, if you want to talk about, you guys like to bet the games too. Just, just to give you an example, 
because this conversation came up. Ole Miss was playing a classic, what they call a trap game for the guys like to bet. So Ole Miss goes and beats Alabama in in Tuscaloosa. Then they come home against Vanderbilt, who's not that good this year. They're 26-point favorites, so they should blow the doors off of Vanderbilt, right? Now, that was a close game the entire way. This week, Ole Miss has Florida. Florida's not exactly as good as they used to be, but for Ole Miss, it's still a big-time game, okay? That's what they call a classic trap game. Two big games before and after the game you're playing that week where you're a huge favorite. Not surprisingly, Vanderbilt managed to keep it close. Covers it very easily. That's, like, that's really a classic, classic trap game. I was explaining to somebody that the other day. They hadn't heard that term, so that's that. Now, I've, I've talked about this guy before, too, and I'm going to say it again. Arp Riles from Baylor has got something wrong with him. Very wrong with him. Up 40-plus points against Rice, who's an okay football team. They're, okay. They're, I mean, they're a good conference USA football team. They're not an elite team. They should have beaten Texas, but Texas isn't, isn't really that good. They put some tough teams on their schedule. They have some players on the team. But our Bryles is up by 40-plus. You still want to try to score. You still want to put the ball in the air. I actually have an issue with that. But what makes him a complete psychopath is the fact that he's actually blitzing Rice up 40-plus with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You know what? Shame on you. Okay, you want to say stay aggressive, play to the final bell, blah, 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 blah. This is how we do it. I, you know what? That horse shit's all well and good for your own ego. I get all that. Okay? You already knocked out one quarterback on Rice. This was pathetic. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't be surprised if there's retaliation against him for pulling that shit. Okay? Where one of his players, and it could be Seth Russell, it could be his quarterback, takes a licking just because, just for payback for the fact that Barb Riles wants to run the score up. That's irresponsible. There's aggressive, and then there's just being an asshole, and he's the second one. The last thing, TCU only favored by five points going to Texas Tech uh, for good reason. They can't stop anybody. If you see what I'm getting at here, it's basically that right now, college football, you don't know what the hell's going on, okay? None of these teams seem like they're really that good at this point. And it is absolutely wide open for your college football playoff. That's all the time we got this week on the Air Attack. Thanks for checking us out. Make sure you check out FableLabel.com. Fable Label, combining the timeless popularity of the t-shirt with modern innovative designs, allowing you to stand out from the crowd today. If you're not a fan of Fable Label, trust me, you soon will be. Make sure you check out the Air Attack and all the great podcasts each and every week on HasBeenSports.com, Facebook.com slash the Air Attack, Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Here's Chase Allen with Star Tonight. I am BC The Man. See you guys next week on the Air Attack.
Stop.